I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Australia is, as a Western economy, it was small, but it almost uses a guinea pig. So we're working with PayPal and the eBay guys to look at launching that PayPal credit without credit checks before buy now, pay later was, was really, you know, a thing. Writing these episode introductions can be a blessing and a curse. I swear there have been times when it took me longer to write, record and edit the two minutes up front than it did to write, record and edit the 30 minutes that followed. But then there are times like today, where thinking around for an introduction bubbles some long-forgotten fond memory to the surface. My career in credit and my enjoyment of a cold beer haven't often had a chance to overlap, at least not during work hours. But when I was based in the centre of Johannesburg, our office was just a five-minute walk from The Bender's Arms, a classic old-school South African pub. Now, where the perfect English pub might be described as cosy, the perfect South African pub is cool, thematically, if that's a word, hard wooden floors, few windows, and lots of cold beer. The Bender's Arms was just like that, but more importantly, it was far enough down its eventual slide to decline that you're unlikely to bump into the big boss. Plus, it served a greasy but delicious Borovos roll for prices that, if I were to quote them here, would make me sound like my parents and their movie and popcorn for a haypenny. So, while I started by saying that my career in credit and my enjoyment of a cold beer hadn't often overlapped, there were a few glorious Friday afternoons in summer when it did, where I would take Matthijs Rousseau, now a senior credit portfolio manager at Nordea, but then just a year or two post-graduation for a team meeting and an ice-cold castle. Anyway, it's my birthday today, so this one's a bonus episode and a little bit more light-hearted. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Ollie Thompson, welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers. For an episode that, to me, is a bit reminiscent of one I did with Kirian Kribino, who was a credit analyst turned independent computer game developer. Though, in your case, when you stepped away from credit, it was kind of going back to your roots. So, start at the beginning. What was your first career? What was your first working life experience like? When I grew up at school, I wanted to follow roughly my father, who'd been a firefighter, but while my mates were doing paper rounds, 15 and 16, it was too cold and hard work for me. So um, I got a job in a kitchen washing pots and began my hospitality career. It started to love food, still wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I kind of fell into chefing and then got the opportunity at 19 to move to London, running a, a, a small bar. My ambition as, as a 19, 20-year-old who thought he knew it all was to own his own restaurant one day. And then a friend of mine opened a restaurant in Nottingham. So we were a small independent restaurant in Nottingham. The the food scene back then was just starting to take off. But we struggled as a a small business. And thankfully, my big sister at the time was a PA 
at a company called CCN, Credit Check Nottingham, that was just turning into Experian. So she used to send some of the uh, the business guys down for lunch and support the restaurant. And I got to know quite a few of the, the senior directors. I think it was one summer's week. I'd been working 70, 80 hours, which is pretty typical in hospo. Mr. Party, Mr. Mate's Wedding. And a lady called Marie Rowney or Marie Archer at the time ran the outbound customer sales department for, for experience said, well, why don't you come and work for us in an office, a nine to five? My first response was I'd never had a job sitting down. So it was a bit of a, a weird opportunity and jumped at the chance and must say I hated it. Worst job I've ever had. So I, I sat down with Marie and I said, look, it's just not for me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Somehow she recognized something in me. Um, she said, look, we really need to stick at this and do it for a year to prove your stripes. And then we'll look at moving you on within the business. True to her word, after about a year, she gave me um, a role as a, as a client training executive. And I loved it and did that for a few years. And then another department in Experian offered me a role to run the Royal Bank of Scotland relationship, one of, one of Experian's top five UK accounts. Very daunting, being being very young. Someone found out I had Scottish heritage, so they were like, "Yeah, you'll be fine up there in our, in Scotland, Ollie. They, they'll love you." So um, I got on the train and went to Edinburgh and RBS and thought, "God, this is this is a big account." You know, was very very challenging, but I had some great support and mentors at Experience. So Colin Wrigley, who was a previous client of mine at Bank of Scotland, and Tim Morris, Tim Hague, and of course Marie very much formed my my mentorship and trained me at Experian. I worked in consumer bureau sales, business information, credit risk, analytics, fraud, and doing the training role and sales and relationship manager, it, it really rounded me and, and, and I had a fair you know understanding of, of the overall company. How I fell into it, into IT, I still don't know. Right place, right time, knew the right people. Looking at your background, you know, you, you spent, was it eight, nine years in the UK, but you know, if that was a big move in terms of industry to go from hospitality into consumer risk into consumer data, it was a big geographic move that you made next and you went with Experian to Australia. The opportunity came up in, in Australia through a guy called James Bradley that I'd worked a little bit with in the UK. He came over as a sales guy. The opportunity came up in Sydney with telcos, didn't know a lot about telcos, understood our proposition. So yeah, applied for the job, never thought I'd get it, but Within six weeks from application start, I was on the plane moving out. When I arrived, Australia and New Zealand were still in a negative data sharing agreement, so only sharing defaults and and negative payment history. So there was a massive opportunity for growth. But being a new person off the boat, as as the, the Aussies all say, they'd all been watching the UK with great interest for the financial crisis, obviously trying to avoid one here in Down Under. So again, right place, got off the plane. Everyone wanted collection systems. They were worried we were entering into a financial crisis. Pretty much within the first six, nine, 12 months, I was in front of all of our major clients in the banking, telco, utility space, talking Tallyman. We managed to get our collections platform into to all of the big banks, a couple of the telcos, and then started traveling around Australia, New Zealand, a bit of work in India, Singapore, Malaysia, looking at leveraging debt management propositions. Suddenly, Australian companies, instead of having a small market far removed from everywhere else, can serve international markets. And you saw, obviously, the buy now, pay later sort of wave out of Australia. But even before that... Couldn't agree more. I mean, there was quite a few of the Tesco bank guys came out to work and set up a few of the banks over here. 
And, you know, being able to open a, an application for a credit card on your mobile phone in Australia six years ago was pretty much unheard of. The Tesco guys really helped launch that through 86400 and a few of the other banks. But also looking at Australia as, as a bit of a small testing pot. I mean, I did some work in the early days with PayPal when they were looking at bringing PayPal credit here because as a Western economy, it was small, but it almost used as a guinea pig. So we were working with PayPal and the eBay guys to look at launching that PayPal credit without credit checks before buy now, pay later was, was really, you know, a thing. Start coming back to your story. It was you moved to Australia with experience and you stayed there for a good amount of time. So six, seven years, if I'm doing my maths right. When you left Experian, it wasn't to go to you know TransUnion or, or FICO or, or one of the sort of similar players in the space. It was to go and start your own restaurant and, and venue space. So talk to me about what Sutton's Beach Pavilion was, you know, restaurant of the year, three years in a row, very much not another credit role. What inspired that move back to your roots? What was it like to now finally realize that dream? And how was it different, I guess, to, to a nine to five office job? So in Australia, there's a great law that if you've worked for a company for 10 years, they offer you long, they have to legally offer you long service leave or the pay, which is three months salary. So I'd planned a trip to drive from Sydney to Brisbane via national parks, basically no tarmac, a minimum 16 day drive. So I had my three months long service lead, say plan to drive up to Brisbane, come and see an old service manager friend of mine from Experian that was living up here. And the plan was to, to spend three weeks getting to see her, clean my car out, restock and do some of the fantastic islands off the coast here in Brisbane. I'd got as far as Newcastle, which is about 200 k's north of Sydney. And the phone rang to say, when are you getting here? I said, I don't know. Well, we've got a great business opportunity for you. What's the opportunity? Oh, it's a restaurant. Definitely not interested. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Few or four phone calls. I conceded. Send me the books. And I couldn't believe it. This was a 1937 Art Deco doing Israeli food on an Australian beach, you know, spitting distance from the sand. Yeah, followed my heart, got up here a bit quicker, had a look at the place, and pretty much myself and, and my two business partners jumped out and, and, and bought, bought a restaurant. So we took it from, yeah, about a million and a half dollar turnover and doubled that over the next few years. This was a jump back into something that I was truly passionate about. And yeah, we, we won quite a few accolades, best restaurant in the year, as you say, runner up in the fish and chip shop. Uh, we got silver in the awards for the region. And I think there's over 300 fish and chip shops, numerous other accolades. And, and that was the plan was, was to retire with a restaurant. Sadly, our landlord 
the local Moreton Bay Regional Council had other ideas. They'd not maintained the building. It was, as I say, it was over 85 years old. And they made the decision to demolish it, which just went mental. Community outcry. Half a million people a week were interacting with us on social media, sharing their disgust. So I was put in front of every channel station, radio station, TV station, reporter, what's going on? And the fight still continues. I mean, it's nearly a year to the day we closed the doors. We had to make the 48 staff that worked with us redundant. But yeah, a year to the day, the building's fallen into further derelict conditions and didn't know what I was going to do, whether I'd continue in hospo, open somewhere else or come back into credit risk. And it really was a turning point for me. I wasn't sure. So I jumped in the car and I had seven months off traveling. Um, came back to home and a friend asked me, would I want to run his bar for him? So we, we got that open just before Christmas and I'm, I'm currently doing that this town. Yeah, it really is sad when these, these structures are seen only for the sort of the value of the wood and the brick and the cement that's there. And people say, well, it'd be expensive to fix it when, yeah, they're such a part of the community. I mean, this area brought the world the Bee Gees. You know, they used to play at this pavilion in the early days. This place played such a big part of the community's history. A lot of memories, you know, I've, I've accepted we've lost the business, it's, it's gone. But now it's about protecting the, the heritage and the history before it is all gone and it's new skyscrapers and just another, another beach resort. But yeah, as you said, that decision is made and through and you took some time off. So was that to carry on on your sort of four by four drive through the, the sands of Australia or what were you doing for your seven month recovery break? I've got a big U to big four-wheel drive. Drove to Melbourne, got on a ferry for 12 hours over to Tasmania, and then drove right down to the south of Tasmania, camping in a tent on my own. Wilderness, you know, no one around for a couple of hours. It was amazing. After eight weeks in Tasmania, which is a stunning part of the world, and anybody that's watching this, go to Tasmania. It really is everything and more. It's got so much history, heritage, beautiful people, beautiful food, wine, produce, um, but it just got a bit too cold. So uh, I booked flights to come back to the UK. I'd not seen family for five years. Came back to the UK in July, just in time for the heat wave. Ended up staying for nine weeks, actually. It was so nice. The weather was so good. It was so good to see everybody. And it's the only time since I emigrated about 12 years ago that I've actually considered moving back to the UK. Saying that, over a couple of beers with mum and dad, they said, yeah, I'm sure I can understand why you want to move back. But it's July, August now. Do you think you'd still feel the same in November? And that was when I thought, no, let's go back to Australia. So I came back. Another passion of mine is scuba diving. So I went off on a week sailing trip out of Cairns, exploring some new reefs and diving with sharks and all that great stuff. Bit more fishing up to the top end and then down to Alice Springs in the desert. Got back to Redcliffe, my home moment in October. Only been back two days, big beard, you know, living the, the nomad lifestyle and it friend of mine rang me up and said, look, really struggling to open this new craft beer bar before Christmas. I've got no staff, no menu, no nothing. What will it take to get you involved? So again, jumped in, got the place open. Yeah, we, we opened end of November. Very, very bad time to be opening post-COVID, coming up to Christmas. Hospitality challenges. There's, there's something like 20,000 empty rolls across the country here for hospitality. We close the borders and stop students and backpackers coming. So it's been tough. And getting produce, you know, we are a small island, well, a large island, but we're a small country in the middle of nowhere. Getting produce here, wine from overseas, some of the produce struggled just because of shipping constraints. So, yeah, here we are now three months down. Bar's been open. Pretty good feedback. That's Era Bar 
in the same sort of area, is it, uh, Redcliffe? Just up the road. So, yeah, about 600 metres from the old pavilion. We're, we're kind of on what I'd call the high street. Um, but really just trying to create the, the vibe of and what it's called era is going back to that golden era of, of the 80s and 90s with good music, good friends and and bloody good beers. So that's that's really our ethos. A lot of people have followed us, the pavilion, and say we had I don't know, something like 25,000 followers on social media. So a lot of those are now coming into the bar. So it's great to see a lot of the, the friendly faces. A lot of my team have come back to work for me. And customers see that the team work well together. I've worked in many teams with, with many different managers over the years in corporate and hospitality. And I really try and foster that, that team family without it sounding too wanky. I did a quick you know, Google of everything before having this conversation. And you know, not only were the rankings very high, sort of very close to five-star averages on the Google reviews, but scrolling through them, I think every one of them is complimenting the staff. So obviously doing a good job on that front. And yeah, 20 beers on tap. Obviously, Australia is a country well known for enjoying a beer and these days for, for producing. But what would you recommend, Jeff? What, what are your favorite on tap at the moment? Oh, look, they're ever changing. And that's been the great thing. It's been like being a kid in a candy store. There's over 700 craft breweries in Australia, which 700 craft breweries for a population of around 23 and a half million. It's massive. We've just had the top 100 independent craft beer votes at the weekend. This is a nationwide competition. Of the top 10, I have two of them on on tap in the top five at the moment. So Larry Pale Ale's one of my favourites and, and Bent Spoke Crankshaft IPA. But some of them have just become crazy. I mean, we've, we've got Biscuit Ale's on, I've got Mango Sours, I've got Raspberry Salsas. You know, what you can do with a beer now is just crazy. One of our best sellers, which goes very well with the, with the climate here using all natural produce, is a local brewery, Catchment Brewery up on the mountain. They do a a hop brewed ginger beer, which is gluten free, sugar free, and it is sensational. Refreshing, bit of lime in there, perfect for our balmy, humid summer days. This weekend we've got we've got live DJs Friday and Saturday night. In fact, I I take to the decks Friday night. I, I'm a bedroom DJ, so with a few few beers in my hand. Although since I started the bar, I've put about ten kilos on. We get about five reps a week, dropping off samples of beers for us to try. They want us to put on tap someone's got to drink them so that sort of excitement in your voice i think i know the answer but have we lost you to the world of credit risk for good now or it's been interesting i don't know the answer i mean it is still an option for me and certainly over the last few months i've, I've had a few of the contacts from the corporate world asking me if i'd be interested in in coming back hospo doesn't pay well and the hours are rubbish it's not all about money you know thinking of a retirement plan i'm 45 now be nice to retire by 55, 54, but I don't think I'll be able to do it on a bar manager's role. So um, having seven months off this year really proved to me how well I am suited to early retirement. It was fantastic. There's <laughs> so much to explore, and it's a country you might, well, my wife's listening, she'll be very jealous because she's long wanted us to have immigrated there, and the points these days are very hard to to get through, but a, a fantastic country to live in, I think. And certainly in the credit risk space, I mean, every every time I walked into a meeting, there'd be one, two, three, at least, you know, pommies that have moved over because of the opportunities, because they didn't go through the financial crisis here when we did in the UK and Europe and America. They've been in growth mode. So, you know, lots of career opportunities. And, you know, POMs seem to do well when they come over here because, you know, the Aussies invented the eight-hour day, the, the eight-hour working day. So a lot of the, the POMs that move over are used to working in London and doing, you know, eight plus a few extra hours. So those that kind of show 
that they'll work hard tend to do quite well. A lot of the chief risk officers and senior managers have, have come from Europe and Asia in, into this market. So, um, yeah, lots of opportunities. And we're, we're crying out for skilled workers at the moment. Obviously, you spent a lot of time late last year getting ERA up and running to, to launch in November. That's now, as we're recording, it's sort of three months ago. I guess you're sort of finding your stride there. You've had some travel, some time to think, what are your plans for the rest of this year? Really, for me, it's now we've, we've got the basics done. We've got a menu. We've got the bar open. It's now how do we build on that? So looking at membership programs, loyalty schemes, offers, there's a lot that, that I'd like to start making in-house and, and selling, you know, just doing things a little bit differently. Everyone seems to have a dog here in Australia with our boss owning a brewery. We can make dog biscuits out of spent beer grain and people pay a lot of money for, for organic dog treats. It gets dog walkers into the bar. It gets dogs into the bar. It grows our social media presence because everyone's taking pictures on, on Instagram with their dog eating beer bones. So growing that, looking at the membership, and this is where I, I use my experience and data analytics. You know, I love data. I'm a bit of a geek. So trying to understand some of those insights around spend data, booking data, preference data. I mean, I run all our social media campaign and, and despite never working in marketing, I can understand a spreadsheet and data sets. So trying to look at those, but now actually having the capacity, now we've got the doors open and the beers pouring. How do we elevate that beer growth? And and data and analytics really does help us do that, shape the offers that we make to the to the drinkers. Also, you know, my career experience, whatever role I was in, I was selling, whether it was selling people, services, products, data, analytics. I'm now on the other side, so I'm buying. So, you know, when these companies come to me, Coca-Cola, oh, we've got this great offer, you know, blah, blah, blah. Said, well, that's not that's not a great offer. So this is where, you know, almost those those horrible conversations with procurement managers back in the day have actually I, I learned a lot from and, and now I turn the tables. So it's not all about, you know, driving down cost. It's about getting better value. So, you know, a lot of the conversations I have with some of these smaller breweries that want to put a put a keg on, I'm well, what's in it for me? I'm I'm helping out advertise your brand. And some of them are a bit, oh, this is a bit weird. No one's asked us this. It's normally yes or no. Um, you want to actually talk about it? I'm like, well, yeah, you know, you want a partnership. I want a partner of a supplier that's going to turn up and, and deliver. And one of the best relationships I grow here was with, with our wine importer when I had the pavilion. I'd worked with him for a few years, small family-run business in Brisbane. But when COVID hit, I had quite a lot of stock. So, so I rang David and I said, look, you know, don't suppose you'll buy back a couple of, uh, of these cases of wine because, of course, this stock's going to be tied up while I'm closed for three, six, 12 months. No one knew at the time. And he said, not only will I buy those cases, I'll buy every single bottle of wine you've got in the building. Now, I said, mate, no, I don't want to put you in the spot. And, and his response was, well, I'll look after you now. And hopefully in, in, in the future, you'll look after me. So when I took over running Era, who, who was the first wine, you know, who was the first person I rang to talk about wine was, was David at the wine tradition. And he's now my sole wine supplier and, and he will forever forward. Yeah, I guess the restaurant business is one of those ones that are really <laughs> real businesses. You know, it's how many people are in here and eating and drinking it. It's a tough business, you know, one, one in three restaurants fail within the first 12 months. You know, it's, it's often a business that people think is romantic connotations. Oh, I'd love to own a restaurant. Oh, it'd be so nice just floating around, talking to customers, drinking wine, tasting food. It's not a romantic role. It's certainly fun and it has its ups and downs. It would be so much better without social media because, you know, the Karens uh, rule the world and, and make the most noise. And sadly, we do spend a little bit of time having to deal with those and it distracts and it 
puts a bit of a dampener on it because sadly they are, you know, less than 1%. They require a lot of your time and, and energy. There should be, and this, I'll put the call out to, to, your, to your viewers, there should be a, a way to review customers. You know, this, this would be a lot better. There's an opportunity to, to join old, old life and new life and credit bureau of customers, use some ID verification and some, <laughs> some social scoring. But I mean, as I said, I've, I've done this once before with Gideon, who, who left it, the, the field to pursue a dream of writing a computer game. And I think it's great to remind people that these, these dreams, like childhood dreams, okay, I want to own a restaurant one day, is something that is achievable. And it's something that it's not necessarily easy, <laughs> but those things are still possible. And we can step away from the corporate world. Obviously, COVID helped a lot of people think that way. So I stepped out of the corporate midway through lockdowns. But I think it's great to to hear these examples and to hear some of these real life lessons translated where yeah, in the credit world, we can sometimes be talking about 10 million customers and the average do this or 5% of them do that. And you kind of forget the human story. And yeah, it's not a luxury you have <laughs> when you're dealing with customers as humans in the restaurant face to face. So yeah, if we come up to Brisbane, I'll definitely see where you are and come for a beer. There's some great deals on flights now that the routes are starting to open back up. So yeah, no, keep, keep me posted. Thanks for having me on. And thank you all for listening. Please do look for and follow the show on your favorite podcast platform and share the updates widely on LinkedIn, where lending nerds are found in our largest concentration. Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England, and edited by Fina Charlson of FC Productions. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show or just www.htlmts.show, and I'll see you again next Thursday. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.